0: Welcome again to Cuyahoga Valley Church. So glad that you guys are here. Uh, For those of you that might be watching online, welcome. Glad that you guys are tuning in from whatever country or state or city you are tuning in from. And uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. I hope you guys have some great plans just to hang out with some folks that you uh, know and love and enjoy the day. And again, if you're a guest today because of child dedications or because of Night to Shine, we're glad that you're here. We hope that you have a phenomenal morning with us as we just share with you the love of the Lord. Uh, Before getting into our teaching time, I just want to take a minute to say thank you. And just let you know of how how proud I am of you guys. You know, the last two weekends in a row, uh, you guys have been lifehouses in our community. Uh, last weekend, some of you hosted some folks in your home uh, around food and football. Some of you went to gatherings just to connect with people and try to build bridges of relationship, uh, knowing that and hoping that at some point the Lord might open a door to talk about Him. Be in life houses. Thanks for doing that. Last Friday was amazing. We were like one giant life house uh, here with night to shine, the prawn. That was awesome. Um, Uh, we're hearing stories now from people who volunteered. We're hearing stories from uh, parents who brought their children as guests. One parent said, Becca was so excited, the smile on her face told the whole story. The whole prom was excellent. Our children never get asked to go to parties, to dances, to baseball games, or anything. You made Becca's prom truly a night to shine. Another parent said, I cannot express the excitement and the awe that you created. The blessings you bestowed on my family were immeasurable. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. So, CVC, thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. Because of your investment, the light of Christ is shining. And so I'm just so proud of you. And I'm just so grateful to God, what he's doing in you. And I'm so grateful of what God is doing through you. Uh, Also, before we totally dive into our teaching time, just uh, as a way of reminder for those of you who call CVC home, and also just to give some orientation to those of you who may be new or guests, uh, we have launched this year, 2016, with a theme of discipleship. To be a disciple means to be a student or a follower. Uh, We are students or followers of Jesus. And so what we're basically saying this year is I want to be a disciple. I want to make sure that I'm growing personally, and I want to grow others. And so we're we're asking you guys to dedicate to helping grow others. We're going to be releasing some tools and some uh, more insights in the weeks to come of how you can really invest and help grow others. But that's uh, the theme for the year. And to help us with that theme, uh, we've chosen the book of Acts to be a book that we're going to study at several points throughout the year. Our current teaching series called Empowered is in the book of Acts in the Bible. And we're looking at how the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside the believer and empower us to live this life for God's purposes, and to live this life in a way that honors the Lord and and makes a difference in this world for His glory, for His purpose. And so just a quick review of where we've been in the last weeks. We kicked off the series on week one, talking about if you're spiritless, you're powerless. And without the Holy Spirit, you just don't have that power. I challenge you guys to memorize Acts 1-8. I hope you guys have that locked in, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I challenge you guys to make a regular part of your prayer life be this prayer, Lord, help me live empowered by your Holy Spirit. And so we kicked off the series with that understanding. The second week, Pastor Rick shared with us, if you wait on God you get what God can do. If you rush around and rush ahead, you get just what you can do. <laughs> In week three, Pastor Josh shared that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that, which we must do by uh, giving us the capacity that we couldn't have on our own to making us uh, who we were designed to be and to turn our good intentions into the right convictions. And then last week, we talked about uh, empowered people are effective people. And we talked about that those who know the Lord will develop effective habits in their life. And I challenge you guys to adopt three habits into your life to be more effective as you live with Christ. One, daily, daily be in the word and prayer with the Lord. Uh, Second, make sure you're blessing two people a week, one inside the faith, one outside the faith, man, whether that's words of affirmation, a note, encouragement, you know, a a gift of some sort, a provision of some sort, an act of some sort, that we're blessing people. If we all bless two people a week, one inside, one outside the faith, we're going to be more effective in this life uh, to live for the Lord. Second is uh, to eat. This is a really tough one, guys, to eat with two people uh, a week, one inside the faith, one outside the faith. We're already doing it. And so we just need to, you know, massage that a little bit to get that online where we sit down and And I had a guy just telling me at the last service, he just started bringing some extra food to work. And next thing you know, he's sitting down with some of the guys at work and they just started opening up after the last week. And so uh, again, these are habits that will help us be more effective. So today we're going to continue in the book of Acts. I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Open up your Bibles or fire up your Bible applications to Acts chapter 3. Uh, if you're here today, by any chance, and you actually don't own a Bible, uh, we are a Bible teaching church. We don't want you just to listen. We want you to open up the Bible, read the words, or, you know, look at the, you know, the screens and read the words. And so if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one for free. Uh, they're out in the information center. Get one on your way out. Now, with a combination of child dedications today and having night to shine fresh on the mind, I'm reminded of a story. Many years ago, a man and a woman gave birth to a little boy. And they noticed right away that he wasn't kicking his legs after the birth. Well, they thought maybe it was a temporary condition, but as the hours turned into days, they realized that he had no use of his legs. So they loved him and they cared for him the best that they could, but they gave up hope that he would ever walk. And because of his disability, as he grew into a teenager and into a a young boy, he didn't get to play and run with the other boys because of his disability. And as he grew into a man, he was forced to deal with the reality that no one would hire him because of his disability. And so he couldn't find work, no one would hire a cripple, and so he gave up on the hope of ever being married or having children because he had no way of supporting them. Healing wasn't ever going to happen, so he resorted to the only thing he could do at that day and age, which was begging. And so daily, he was carried to a church, and he sat outside the steps of that church, hoping for the compassion and generosity of people to help provide for his needs. And he did that for years and years and years until one day when that all changed. And we're going to look at that day together in Acts chapter 3 because the story we're talking about is one of this man right here in Acts chapter 3. Join me there, Acts 3, 1. Now, Peter and John, these are two disciples of Jesus after the the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer to him. This is an incredible historical account of a man who could not walk from birth being healed through the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of Jesus Christ, through the empowerment that a man, two men in this case, had because of Jesus Christ. And what this shows us is that our hope in life and that our healing in life come from Jesus And when we experience healing in our life, whatever kind of healing that is a physical healing, an emotional healing, uh, a relational healing, a spiritual healing when we experience these healings, when we experience hope, that helps us point to Jesus. And that's really our big idea today that, that our healing and our hope points to Jesus. Let's first look at how our healing points to Jesus. Let's break down a little bit about what we just saw. Traditionally, the Jewish people uh, had three hours of prayer that they would go to the temple. They would show up at 9 a.m. This is three times a day, okay? Some of us are like, man, going to church once a week is hard, you know? Hey, look, three times a day they go to prayer. 9 a.m., 3 p.m., and then sunset, okay? And so this was the 3 p.m. hour, So just imagine, it's it's the temple, it's full of people, it's the afternoon, uh, there's a lot of folks in that temple. And so what was common was a lot of folks with disabilities would come, and they would be strategically located in places to, you know, beg for food, beg for money, to receive alms. And one of the, the most strategic places to be placed would be a gate. Now, when you hear the word gate, we're not talking about a little wood fence like we think about in our culture. A gate is basically a big entryway, typically in a wall, a stone wall. It's a big arch or entrance into a larger venue that's surrounded by a wall. And so uh, here's a picture, for example, of a model, this is an actual model in Jerusalem, uh, huge, it's, it's really cool to see, that reflects the, the early uh, temple in the time of uh, this, this teaching. And inside there, of course, is the temple. And in the temple, there are nine gates, nine entrances into the temple area. And there's four on the north side and four on the south side. There's nothing on that north side to get in, but on, or on the west side. But on the east side, and here's another picture, there's something called the beautiful gate. And this is where this happened. Now, the beautiful gate was massive. It was about 60 feet wide. The doors were made of Corinthian bronze and overlaid with gold. Uh, tradition says it took about 20 men to open and close the gates. This is how huge these were. And there was about 15 steps leading up to the gate. And so this man, this beggar, this paralytic, was sitting on those steps every day as people walked in and out of that favored gate, that beautiful gate there in the temple. And so Peter and John, as Jewish men, even though they knew the Lord, still practicing uh, Jewish rhythm in their life, were coming to the temple for prayer. And they encountered this man who was begging for money. And what I love about this moment is the intensity of Peter and John. These guys were not physically wealthy men. They were disciples of Jesus. In fact, if you go back to Acts 2, you see that a lot of the disciples were selling stuff and giving stuff and sharing. I mean, there was really a a, a unity in their community, right? And so these guys weren't carrying a bunch of money around, but they knew what they did have. They knew that although they didn't have physical wealth, they had spiritual wealth. They knew that they were empowered through their faith in Christ. They had heard Jesus tell them, hey, you're gonna be able to do some of the things I did. In fact, you might be able to do more. And they knew that the Holy Spirit of God was living in them, and they felt a boldness. They had an understanding, and they had this syncing up with God that gave them boldness, and they understood their power. This is something that's still available to us, but we just don't tap into it. We're still empowered by the same, the same Holy Spirit that was inside Peter and John's, the same Holy Spirit's inside of you and I when we come to faith in Christ. And I love this moment because here's this guy who's begging, he's probably got a container of some sort, and he's begging for money, and he's probably, you know, just like our large gatherings, we see folks in the same condition, begging for money outside, you know, typically uh, large hubs of uh, places. He's just sitting there looking for money, and then Peter just says, look at us. The guy's probably like, yeah, score, you know, and probably lifts up his container waiting for money. And I love this moment because Peter just locks eyes with him and says, we don't have any money to give you. But what we do have to give you, we're going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. This is such a powerful moment with this taking place. I love it. And this man who was crippled received an unexpected gift, one that went beyond his shallow and obvious need. Money was not what the man needed most. What he needed most was healing of his soul to be made right with God. What he needed most was a physical healing, if possible, so that his legs could work. He needed salvation for his soul, healing for his body, and money would provide neither of those. You know, think about our own lives a little bit. What are you trusting in that isn't capable of meeting your truest need? What are you you trusting in to be made right with God, to receive forgiveness? What are you trusting in for worth and value? What are you trusting in to try to bring freedom and hope and courage into your life? Because we have to come to Christ to have those things met. You know, this man's legs were restored back to use. We talk a lot about restoration here at CBC. We use that expression, new life in Christ, that captures God's work of restoration in our life. And I can imagine that some of you probably need to be strengthened today. And this is a reminder that that kind of strength only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. A marriage broken, uh, a marriage that's in trouble, a broken friendship, an estranged parent-child relationship, a need for hope in your life, perseverance, all of these things. or maybe there's an addiction you're fighting. All forms of healing, in a sense, that we need in our lives. And like this man, what we typically want to do is we want to get a handout from God. God, if you just give me a handout and meet my surfacey need, if you just meet my shallow surfacey need, I'm good. And a lot of times we come to God wanting a handout when he wants to give us a healing. And he wants to meet our truest needs, our deepest needs. And so if you're here today or you're watching today and you don't know Christ, the Lord is saying, you need me. Nothing else is going to satisfy you. You need a relationship with me. Maybe you know Christ, but the world's just beating you up. This is just a reminder that our hope and our faith and our trust and our strength and everything is through Jesus Christ. He's empowered us through his spirit to, to live this life different. Not perfect, not flawed, not uh, painless, but in a different way. And we can do it through the name of Jesus. And it's amazing because as, as Peter and John are, are now stepping up in boldness, they said, what we have to offer you, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. See, there's the, all the power and all the authority of God dwell in the name of Jesus. It's the name above all names, amen? It's the name above all names. All power, all authority dwell in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John were pointing to Jesus by using his name. It's not that different than, imagine this. Imagine a little brother or sister going to their other brother and sister and saying, make your bed. What's that sibling going to do? They'll be like, <laughs> yeah, try to try make me, you know? But if they come to their brother or sister and say, mom wants you to make your bed, or dad at, told me to tell you, make your bed. Now what are they doing? The sibling is pointing to the mom or dad as the authority. And so now the kid might not like the fact that their sibling is telling them, but they're invoking the name of the authority. So it's like, well, I guess I got to do it. This is exactly what John and Peter are doing. They're saying, this isn't us. We're not about to do this. We're pointing to Jesus. And they pointed to the name that has all the authority. And this miracle happened, this healing happened through that miracle of using the name of Jesus. And then notice what happened. This man started praising God. He started leaping around and, and uh, celebrating. It's a beautiful picture of this healing. Now, this physical healing always happens. This is always a very difficult question because many of us, if not all of us, have prayed for healing in our lives at times. Does God always physically heal? You know, we know that He spiritually heals. We know that He can relationally heal. We know that He can emotionally heal. Um, does, Does physical healing always happen? If you're in Christ, the answer is yes. If you're in Jesus, a physical healing will happen. It might not wait until the end. It might be when Christ comes back or when we go to be the Lord that that healing will be full and final. But there are times He heals in this life still. But maybe he will, maybe he won't. This is a much bigger topic. I don't have enough time to deal with it here. So if you're interested, just go onto the CVC blog page in a couple of days. I'm going to blog on this and just talk about does God always heal and interact with that topic a little bit. But we can trust God to heal. So we ask anyways because he tells us how, you have not because you asked not. And so ask, but we ask trusting the Lord for whatever the outcome will be. But what we do see is that this man was transformed. I want you to understand that this this man who was uh, crippled by this gate is a picture of us. I mean, think about it for a second. He was born with a disability. We were born with a spiritual disability, sin. We're all born with the propensity to rebel against God, a spiritual disability. This man had no ability to heal himself. We look at our lives, we look at our sin, we look at our heart's desire to do the wrong things. We have no ability to heal that on our own. We can't fix that. We're not capable of being fixed on our own, and we need someone outside. It was through Jesus that this man got healed. In the same way, the only way we're made right with God, the only way we're forgiven of sins, the only way our sins dealt with is through Jesus Christ and through belief in his death on the cross for the sins of man and through his resurrection from the grave that proved that he was God and had authority over life and death and eternity. And so when we place faith in Christ, we can be healed. We can't do it, but someone else can, but because of Christ. Um, we, we can experience healing. Check this out. The man was outside the temple. He couldn't go into worship. He couldn't be in the presence of God. Because of our sin, we can't be in the presence of God. But once he was healed, where did he go immediately? What's the pastor say? He went into the temple. He was able to go into the temple. He's never been able to t- go into the temple to be in the presence of God and to worship. And once we're healed in Christ, once we're faith in Christ, we can be in the presence of God because of Jesus. And then you see this man living the rest of his life, walking, restored, you know, once we have faith in Christ, we get to walk with the Lord. We're restored spiritually. When you look at this guy, you just see yourself in the mirror. This is who we are. We need to experience this transformation. And what happened when he was healed? What happened with this transformation? It drew a crowd, right? Imagine yourself living back then. You've seen this guy. Like some of you frequent certain places, maybe downtown. You'll see certain people that may be homeless or down on the luck of the time. You'll recognize them. Like, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy. Oh, yeah, I've seen that guy. These people saw this guy day after day, if not week after week, sitting by the steps every day, same spot, maybe even gave him money, maybe gave him food. They knew who this guy was. Imagine their amazement when all of a sudden this guy is dancing around on his legs, praising God. It definitely got their attention, and now they were very curious. And I just want to remind you that when you come to Christ and he does a transforming work in your life. And he gives you new life. And whatever he heals you of, whatever addiction or attitude, whatever situation, whether it's anger or, you know, uh, uh, some sort of lust or materialism or whatever God heals you from, man, it's a transformation. And the people that know you, that have done life with you, when they see that transformation, it's one of the biggest pieces of evidence that Jesus is real. It's one of the biggest pieces of evidence that God is real and the gospel is true. And so... You got to tell your story. When you are sitting over a bagel and coffee, tell pieces of your story. Ask them about their story. Ask if it's okay if you share a part of your story. And when you're telling your story, guess what you're doing? You're pointing to Jesus. Because you didn't do any of that transformation, right? Well, I just got tired of being mad, so I just woke up one day and said, I'm done being mad. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. That didn't work for me. I had a rage. I had a volcano in me as a kid, man. And Jesus just calmed that storm. Just like Jesus stepped out and calmed the raging sea, Jesus stepped into my life and calmed my raging heart. Only he can do that. Only Jesus can do that work in our life. And when we acknowledge that, when we tell that story, it points to Jesus. So what happened from there? Well, now a crowd gathers around. Let's pick it back up in Acts chapter 3 again. Look at verse 11 with me. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon astounded. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had uh, decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom... God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong whom you see and know. And faith that is through Jesus has given the man the perfect health and the presence of you all. What happens here is as this crowd is gathering around, they step outside the temple. Now looking again at that picture of the temple, outside the temple, right across from the beautiful gate is this area called the Portico of Solomon. And what it was is was it's a, it's a dual-columned, covered porch it was a very popular place to hang out and to teach and so now they're sitting right outside the gate across the courtyard in solomon's porch and and they're teaching these people and what happens in this moment is the apostle peter turns this crowd into a courtroom he just converted that the, the courtyard into a courtroom and now he's playing the role of the prosecuting attorney he's saying by the way this healing that you've seen that's the work of jesus it's not the work of us jesus remember that name now, this is the work of our Father. You know, he's got a mostly Jewish audience. So our Father God, the God, of, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who sent Jesus, remember Jesus just a few weeks ago, the guy that you had crucified? Remember Jesus, the one that when Pilate, the Roman governor, said, hey, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. You said, let's kill him, let's crucify him? The, the guy that when Pilate says, okay, look, I'll give you this murderer, Barabbas, I'll let him go, or, or I'll let Jesus go, which one do you want? Remember when you chose Barabbas? You killed the author of life. We're, we're the Hebrew people. We're the people of the covenant. We're the people of God's promises. We've got the scrolls. We've got all the prophets. God made it clear he was going to send a Messiah. He was going to send a Christ. He was going to send a rescuer. And when he showed up, you didn't even recognize him, and instead you killed him. He's playing prosecuting attorney. He's laying it on there. And he's basically saying, you don't have any hope. Because the one hope God sent you, you killed him. Imagine as the people were taking this in, what they were processing and thinking and feeling. And then Peter's like, don't worry. God raised him from the dead. And all of a sudden, he took off the prosecuting attorney hat and put on the defense attorney hat. Talk about a change of role. And look look what he says now. Look at verse 17. And now, brothers... I know that you acted in ignorance. Like, wait a second, weren't you just totally, like, you know, prosecuting us? Now you're defending us? I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoration of all, or the restoring of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. That's a beautiful moment where he goes from prosecuting attorneys saying, look, you rejected Jesus. And by the way, rejecting Jesus is spiritual suicide, Okay. Is the only way to have access to God, the only way to have forgiveness. So if you reject that way, you just did yourself in, okay? You went from that to say, but you guys, you didn't do it with bad hearts. The Jewish people weren't being malicious. They just saw this radical. They didn't, it didn't make sense. They didn't recognize Jesus. And so they're like, we got to get rid of this guy. But as he puts on that defense attorney hat, he basically says, God planned all this. You were just carrying out God's plans. You are ignorant in so many ways you don't even know. God foretold that he was going to do this. Moses talked about a prophet that would be raised, that would come, and and you would need to listen to, he's pointing to Jesus. Peter had this healing point to Jesus, and now this teaching on hope is pointing to Jesus. He's saying, your hope is in the one that was killed and has been raised again, because this was God's plan. And if you believe, I mean, look what he says in verse 19 again, he says, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. And those brought hope to them when they heard that. And then he says that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And he talks about the restoring of all things. Peter is pointing to Jesus and saying, if you believe in him personally, you can have forgiveness and all of us as a nation who rejected the Messiah, there'll be a time of restoration and healing. And of course, he's not just talking about the personal refreshment that you get in Christ. He's talking about the end of all things that when Jesus Christ returns... Because when Jesus Christ returns, as he promised he would, just just as God foretold one would come and die and raise, and that happened, he has also foretold that the one who was raised ascended and was coming back. We're still waiting for that to happen. When that happens, there'll be a restoring of all things. I can't wait for that. That's the hope that we have in Christ. And this is a hope that the Lord wants us to have. And when we have that hope and we operate in that hope, it points to Jesus when people look at you and say, man, I'm sorry to hear about your diagnosis, you're like, yeah, it's not a good thing. This body's falling apart. But you know what? God's going to take care of me. And to live as Christ and to die as gain. And so it's a win-win situation for me because if I get to live this life with my family longer, it's a win for me. If the Lord takes me home before I planned on it, before my family planned on it, it's a win for me. Wow, where'd you get that hope? Jesus. Man, I'm sorry about your job loss. I know that's hard. Yeah, it's going to be a tough season. Yeah, Things are going to be tight for a while. But you know what? God's going to provide God's going to take care of me. I don't know how, I don't know what way, but the Lord's, I'm in the Lord's hand. Wow, that sounds really hopeful. Yeah, because of Jesus. Man, your marriage is, is not doing too good. Yeah, we're in a rough spot. Man, I've been doing some bonehead things and you know, I hope that forgiveness will flow and I hope that things can get better. So I'm going to be working on what I need to do to heal this marriage. I'm going to be praying that God does a work in my spouse's heart. And uh, hopefully in the Lord, we're going to see complete healing and restoration of our marriage. Man, you're being pretty optimistic and hopeful, huh? because I love Jesus. Our healing points to Jesus. Our hope points to Jesus. That's what happened here. That's what should happen here. You know, uh, this restoration of all things, you just got to remember, the world we live in is not living out the way God created it. The original creation had no sin. It had no flaw. It had no blemish. There was no sin. There was no sickness. There was no death. There was no disability. None of that. But because of the rebellion of man, which God knew would take place, and he already solved that problem through Christ in advance. (laughs) But because of the rebellion of man, we lived in this flawed world. But one day, God's gonna restore it back to perfection. And there will be no more sin. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more disability. There'll be none of that stuff. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I I remember a picture I saw weeks ago. It's a picture of a dad who made a statue for his son. The Robinson family had a, a young boy that was born. He had a lack of oxygen, so he was blind. He couldn't speak, and he's paralyzed from the neck down. He lived his life in a wheelchair. And that boy died at 11 years old. And they buried him. And then just as an incredible symbolic representation, he, he had the statue made of his son ascending out of that wheelchair. And I see that. I'm going, that is one example of what's coming for us. That everything that's broken, that everything messed up, Christ is coming, is going to fix perfectly, amen? Perfectly one day. That hope points to Jesus. You know, when I started today, I talked about a family that had a child with disability, and we ended up seeing that was this man here in the book of Acts. I thought, man, I'd love to just have someone else come <laughs> and share a little bit more about what's that like in real life, because I could talk about it, but it's just nice to hear from our church family at times. And so um, would you guys welcome up with me the Wolfenbarger family. I'm going to invite Eric and Jenny up, and they're just going to come up here and share for a few minutes. Hi guys, How you doing? good, thank you guys for being so gracious to, to invest your time uh, today with us and, and uh, it's four services, so woohoo, it's going to be a big one. Uh, you guys uh, both came to Christ young, you came to Christ when you were 10, you came to Christ when you were 19, God's done transforming work in your guys' lives. Uh, you guys have been, married for just, have been married for just over 20 years, so congratulations on that, that's phenomenal. Uh, you have five children. You've got Amelia and Jacob, and then you also have Kofi and Joy and Eve uh, in your family. And, um, you know, we've been talking here about just uh, these topics of healing and hope and Christ and all of these things. Uh, Eve is a a child with disability. Uh, You guys adopted her knowing that, taking her into your family. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Here's the thing. It's very easy in a passage like we just talked about with healing and disability and all these kinds of things. Uh, for someone to hear, watch, or listen and go, you know what, um, I've got a loved one that has a disability, and if, if God can heal this lame man, then why why hasn't he healed my loved one? And so I just thought, man, I'd love to hear from you guys. As you guys have thought about Eve and her life and, and all that's going on, has there been a moment where you guys thought, we need to pray that God would raise her up out of this chair and heal her disability? And and how, how have you guys approached that type of topic based on what we just said?
1: Well, I mean... <laughs> When we brought Evie home, made her part of our family, we never really considered that she was a broken person. We just uh, accept her the way she is and uh, you know, love her the way she is. And getting to know her over the years, we've realized there's so much inside of her. She can't express it the way we do, with words and dancing and whatever. But um, we've gotten to know her, and, and she's amazing. Sometimes I wonder if maybe... If we saw the world the way she does, you know, she's got so much love for her family, for her caregivers, people in her life, that uh she she's all focused on everything that it should be. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing. So I've never really looked at, you know, it'd be like saying, you know, hey, heal me because I'm silly and crazy. You know, that's not how I do that. And I and I in Eve's case especially not, but there's things that are aspects of her disability that are seizures and other life-threatening things that have come up along the way that We've absolutely believed God, just like we have in the past with our children, that uh, you know we say, "Hey, God, you know, heal her this," and He's provided the the medical professionals, and, and maybe I think maybe at times some serious divine intervention on keeping that from going to the next level, straight up healing it, you know, taking a turn when it could have really gotten worse. So He's He's met our needs, and and I think you'll you know I know we'll keep doing that. So
0: that's incredible. That's an incredible perspective. Um, Obviously, uh, there are going to be times when we pray for healing, whether it's for a seizure or a cold or flu or a, a, a injury of some sort. How have you guys navigated having faith in Jesus when you have prayed for something and it, it hasn't happened? You know, the, the, faith, the, the healing doesn't come about as you were hoping. How do you, how, how do you deal with that and still, still trust Jesus despite it?
2: <laughs> I think that um, when we ask for something really specific, no matter what the adversity is in life, um, we have a hopeful outcome, what we want it to look like. Um, but we believe that God's answers are sometimes so much better than that. Um, every time that we um, pray and um, and a medical professional comes in the room and said, hey, I just came back from Ghana. Nice to meet you. <laughs> we know that this was someone that God sent in our way um, to specifically interact with us um, You know, when we're in those hospital rooms and it's really lonely and um, things are not looking good or we get the diagnosis as we did just a couple of weeks ago, that was really hard to hear. Um, There was a peace that shouldn't have been there. And so we know that God's there with us. Um, He's really working uh, actively and he hasn't left us. And that in and of itself is an answer to a prayer.
0: That's great. You know, we just got done talking about how healing and hope point to Jesus. Uh, you guys have an incredible makeup in your family. What a dynamic. You've got two biological children, three adopted children, one with special needs. Um, how has your family makeup helped point you to Christ more?
1: Well, it's it's been a journey. Um, you know, the first uh, the two children we adopted didn't have special needs per se, but uh, it's it's become a f- family effort. You know, we, we talked to our children about it initially, and they, and they were part of it along the way, uh, growing their faith along with us. But, um you know, with eve uh, it's it's just a whole nother level. We realize that we have to live you know focused on what you know only what he, he can do. God is the only one that provides our needs because there's huge financial burdens that come along with uh with a disabled child, and you know even more so, you know daily things that we have to tackle that we never even dreamed of it my wife she you know she, she works with children like that, and even then there's things that happen every day that we just we believe God that he'll meet the need and take care of us and he has all along the way and the best part is our our children all of them have seen that and they continue to um, grow their faith even at a young age it's it's pretty amazing Uh, and our our teenager now she's talking about being a missionary someday you know it's just changed how everything is our whole family is focused on God and you know what we can do with our lives for him so it's been pretty amazing
0: I kind of hear you saying that uh, because of the unique makeup of your family, it's heightened your dependence on God and really is giving you ways to see him show up that maybe the average family doesn't experience even is kind of what I hear you saying. So uh, how, about, how about this, uh, Jenny, that um, when, you, when, when we look at this uh, man that was a paralytic in scripture, you know, he, he thought he just needed food, just needed this provision met, and God provided a need outside of that that was beyond his thinking at the time. How have you guys seen that happen in your family, where maybe you've prayed for one thing, but then God has showed up and done something just different and beyond what you anticipated?
2: I think the uh, biggest change in our lives, I, I would say in the last five years or so, um, is community. Um, there are people who we didn't even know that God has brought into our lives for a very specific purpose and for, uh, for community. Uh, we have awesome neighbors in our life group who um, rally around us, they're praying for us when we... They know that there is something that um, we're praying for. Um, There are other families who are parenting children with uh, disabilities um, who we didn't know before, doctors and nurses. And and so there's a sense of community um, that we haven't had before. And so we would like to do this life, you know, self-dependent and kind of on our own, but God has really impressed on us that we need others. Um, And sometimes he meets that need before we even know there's a need. And so it's really amazing to see how God um, brings people together and um, and that's been our biggest change in our lives in the last five years or so.
0: So praying for Lord help us with this, you know, help us, you know, and also God's answer was like, Oh, I'm gonna send you people, I'm gonna send you community. That's that's incredible. How about this? When we see this man that was healed, his legs were strengthened, and then he just joyfully leapt around praising God. Uh, how has your dynamic as a family Done that? How have you experienced that strengthening in your life, and maybe joy? How has God used even Evie's, you know, disabilities in your life to bring joy to your family?
1: Well, it's pretty amazing. We saw the need over there with her when when we were part of the original adoptions, and uh, we we knew she needed a family. She needed medical care desperately. You know, she was sort of on the way down hill, and uh, we we you know we brought her home. We did what God said, and you know, it was that. What we didn't realize was how big a part of our lives she would be you know she she's such a huge personality she's become the heart and soul of our family and she's touched so many lives as i mentioned outside of our family friends and caregivers and and everybody that she comes a part of you know, her school all the many children who may never would have encountered a special needs child they see her they know her, they talk about her at home we hear that sometimes it's pretty amazing so she's just brought so much joy and peace in our lives i mean i I recall the first many months uh, she was home, I, she st- still was growing, getting stronger, she couldn't move around a lot. So, you know, I'd come home from work and spend time with her every day, just kinda hanging on to her on the couch and just snuggling with her, and it was amazing. It was the best part of the day. I mean, still is actually, but I don't have as much time these days to be able to do that, and she doesn't let me do that very often. <laughs> so she's, she's like, she's, too busy. she's very active. For a child who can't walk, she's very mobile, okay? So, yeah, she, she's just amazing. and. uh she, She's, uh, the kids lover. her. Uh, it's, it's changed everything for us and can't picture life without her, so.
0: I was thinking about this man in Acts 3, that his joy was an unexpected arrival um, that day. It sounds like you guys have had some unexpected joy that had come out of the situation that you didn't know was coming. Uh, lastly, this, obviously, for those who might be watching online or in this room, uh, there's definitely people in here who either have children, grandchildren, you know, a niece or nephew that has disabilities. Uh, maybe a loved one or a friend with disability. What, what, what can you share with them, just to encourage them uh, from what you've learned?
2: I think all our lives um, have adversity. Um, it may not be a, a child or a loved one with um, a disability, but there's definitely times in our lives that we don't know why something happens um, and and what the purpose of that is. But we trust that God has a plan and He's good. Um, that all the things that He all the circumstances in our lives, um, ultimately, uh, is to glorify him. And so as we um, have those really rough days, as we're really struggling, um, as we collapse on the couch at the end of the day, and said, "Whoa, that was a rough one. um, As we just go on and and look to the next day, we know that God's right there with us. Um, We know that he's drawing us closer, and that's such a huge blessing in this journey that he's drawing us in. Uh, we're reaching out to him. It's a, it's a relationship. And um, it's true, we ne- may not see that healing here on earth. We may see it in heaven. But it gives us such hope for heaven. <laughs> it's amazing. So um, we wouldn't trade this journey for anything.
0: So basically, let, let whatever you're experiencing in the disability realm point you to Jesus. It's really great. Thank you for that. Um, we want to keep the Wolfenbargers in prayer. Uh, they do have five kids, but they're hoping to make it six this next year. There's a little girl in China that they've named Josie that has disabilities uh, that they would love to bring home and, uh, and fold them into their family to be a Wolfenbarger. And so uh, let's be praying for the Wolfenbargers as they invite little Josie in God's timing and in God's provision into your family. Thanks, for, guys, thanks so much for sharing. So, you guys, thank you for their time. I just wanted to get a chance to talk about that real time because it's, it's it's real. We really do have real opportunities for healing spiritually, relationally, emotionally, physically. That God provides. Uh, we also um, have a hope, and both those healings and those hopes are to point to Jesus. I hope that's been something that you can be encouraged by today and walk out of here with today. Uh, as we close, just a couple uh, invitations of how to apply what you've heard. Uh, for those of you who maybe are here or you're listening online, uh, you know what. Um, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe the phrase that's still kind of ringing through your ears is to reject Jesus, a spiritual suicide. Uh, You don't have to stay distant from God. You don't have to stay outside the temple. Uh, God has offered you healing through Christ and wants you in His presence. And so simply, it's a matter of believing. It's believing that God loves you. It's believing that Jesus died on the cross for you. It's believing that Jesus rose from the grave uh, for you and that through Him and Him alone, you can be made right with God. And you just need to turn from your sin, turn from yourself, and turn to Jesus. And if that's a uh, response that's appropriate for you today, you're feeling God calling you to do that, uh, just tell God those things. You just, just tell that to the Lord. Pray that. Uh, here's a sample prayer even that, that, that you could uh, lift up to the Lord. And then if you do that today, here's what we would ask of you. There's a response card in the chairs next to you. Just pull that out. And and, and before you leave today, fill that out and just say, hey, I'm receiving Christ today. Or maybe you're saying, I want to talk about receiving Christ some more. Please get in touch with me and turn those into the baskets. that are about to come around in a few minutes. And we'll follow up with you either as next steps to grow because you received Christ or to help you receive Christ if you still have some questions. Uh, That's a great response. For the rest of us as believers, let me just add this into what we talked about last week. As you um, are in the Word daily praying and, and talking to the Lord... Look for ways that your time in the Word points to Jesus. Look for how your prayer life's gonna point you to Jesus. As you are blessing people, let that point to Jesus. As you're eating with people and now sharing pieces of your story, let that point to Jesus. Be a great application uh, from this time. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna close in prayer and uh, we're gonna worship out of here. If you've got a, a need for healing in your life, uh, in any capacity, that's really the theme of our prayer corner this morning. We'll pray for anybody, but if you're here today and you're like, man, I I really would like to ask for healing in my life in a particular area, those prayer partners will be ready just to pray for God's healing uh, in your life if that's a need that you have. Let's, Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word and to learn today. God, thank you for the reminder that there's healing in Jesus. God, thank you for the healings that are represented in this room, the spiritual healings for those who are walking in forgiveness and in right relationship with you. Lord, thank you for uh, relational healings that, that fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and that husbands and wives and brothers and sisters have experienced restoration in the relationship through you. God, thank you for emotional healings, that wounds that have happened in our lives have scarred over and now. Lord, we don't feel the pain and we get to feel the joy and the opposite through Christ. Lord, thank you for the physical healings that are represented in this room. Many of us have been healed of sickness or injuries or those things, or we know a healing's coming, Lord. God, thank you for that hope. And thank you for our hope in you and how it points to you. God, use those things in our life to put a a big spotlight on Jesus. So, God, take these things that we've talked about, Lord, the decisions we need to make because of what we've heard. Lord, help us respond well. God, we just want to live for you. Lord, even take these gifts we're about to receive. God, continue to take these gifts and multiply them for your work to shine the love of Christ, to heal in the name of Christ, to give hope in the name of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all sit together.